Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Last week, we started a little three-part series leading up to Christmas called Christmas is Forgiving. And last week, we talked about the easy part of it, which is when someone has wronged you, and, and you, you know, we talked about you having a face in your mind, you know, this person that has wronged you, and, and what's all going on with that. Today, we're going to take a little different angle, and we're going to take a more, a more difficult angle to it this morning, because today we're talking about initiating forgiveness. That's a whole different animal. We're a lot better at wanting other people to, uh, to come to us for forgiveness than we are about going to someone and initiating forgiveness. That's the really hard part, um, is to actually face down those that we have, have really hurt or have actually hurt. So Christmas time for many is this fun, exciting time, especially those that have uh, kids, you know, you, you, this thing happens, you're a kid, you love Christmas, and you get a little older, and it's like, man, I don't know if I like Christmas anymore. Then you have kids, little kids especially, and you get all excited about Christmas again. Then as you become an, uh, an older, you get to a place where it's like, you know, I don't know if I like Christmas anymore. And many, many times, I think the reason we have that attitude toward Christmas is because of relationships that are going on in our life that maybe aren't just right. This, it's a very difficult time for some people. They're experiencing loss. They, there's pain and regret. There's some, uh, maybe some family relationship that has been strained and they don't really quite know what to do about it. Um, let's do a little experiment this morning. How many of you uh, have something that you let someone else borrow and it has not been returned? I have something, it has not been returned to me. Hold them up high. I want to see. Okay. Now, let's flip that around. How many of you have borrowed something from somebody? And I got myself in trouble this morning because I had people come up to me saying, you borrowed something from me. So I got all kinds of things to return to people. But how many of you have borrowed something and you haven't returned it? Let me see those hands. Let's see, not as many. Not as many. Isn't it interesting? We, we're, able, we're more able to remember things that have been borrowed from us that haven't been returned than we are able to remember the things that we have borrowed that we have yet to return. Uh, it's fewer. It's, it's, uh, you know, we're able to remember those who've hurt us. We oftentimes don't really want to think about or remember us having hurt someone. And so today we're going to take uh, the more difficult uh, trail, and that is to look at, at uh, examining our own hearts and, and take an inventory and asking ourselves, is there somebody that we have wronged? Is there something that we have done maybe that we need to fix? I want to start this morning in chapter 5 of Matthew. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 5. And if you're new to church or you're not in your Bible that much but you have one here today it's easy to find Matthew go to the middle turn right you'll eventually pretty quick come to Matthew it's the first book in the New Testament Matthew chapter 5 Jesus is speaking uh, he's got all kinds of great things to say in this particular little uh, passage of scripture there's several chapters in a row there where it's just full of stuff that's great for living life and, and he says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 therefore if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. And there's somewhat of a sense of urgency in what Jesus has to say right there. He says, if you're, if you're worshiping and you all of a sudden realize there's something not right between you and somebody and it's maybe your fault. Uh, you need to just leave immediately and go make that right before you continue your worship. You need to settle the matter quickly. Now, I want to take us all back to our preschool days, okay? 
I, I don't think they called it preschool when I was in preschool. They called it something else, but now it's preschool. And, and um, we have a preschool that operates here out of the church. And, and every year, um, Miss Bobby has the, the fire people come, the fire safety people come. And Sparky the fire dog is on the campus, and we love Sparky the fire dog. I remember when, when my kids were little, they'd come home with Sparky the fire dog trading cards. You are uptown when you got a Sparky the fire dog trading card. Well, Sparky comes and they get the kids together and they listen to the sirens on the fire engine and they turn the lights on and they look at the fire trucks and the guys show their gear and they talk about fire safety. And you've all learned something about fire safety. And, and on three, I want you to tell me what we're supposed to do when our sleeve or our clothes catch on fire. There's something specific we're supposed to do. On the count of three, are you ready? One, two, three. We are two. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. That we, I mean, our culture stinks at a lot of things, but we are really good at communicating fire safety. Let me tell you right now. Stop, drop, and roll. We all know that. I mean, a, th- a three-year-old knows that. What do you do when your clothes catch on fire? Stop, drop, and roll. Today, I want to take two of those words captive to the obedience of Christ. We're going to leave the roll part off, but we're going to substitute another word. I'm going to give you three words this morning. Stop, drop, and give. Stop, drop, and give. That's where we're going today. First of all, I want you to, when when we realize that we've got something going on with a, a, a relative, a friend, somebody that's close to us, and we realize it is really our fault. We, we've made a mistake. We've, we've messed up. The first thing we need to do is we've got to stop and acknowledge that there is somebody that I have hurt. You just got to stop and, and, and tell yourself, you know what? It's my fault. It's my problem. I, I got to fix it. I got to do something about it. Uh, it it's, it's not an easy thing to do. It's much easier to point the finger at somebody like we were last week and saying, you know, they hurt me. They hurt me, and they, they should come and, and apologize and ask me for forgiveness. But, but this week, it's different. This week, it's you know, there's no fingers pointing at them. All the fingers are being pointed at us, and we're saying, you know, there's, there's a problem. We're going to do the right thing. We're going to stop and think it through when we've hurt somebody. Again, verse 23, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. Now, how many of you have had this happen? You're, you're at the mall, or you're at a grocery store, and across the way, you see somebody that you know, but you don't want to talk to them, right? And you're with your spouse, and all of a sudden, you take a beeline down row seven, and she says, honey, we don't need anything from row seven. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. What are you doing? There's somebody over there, and I don't want to, you know, you ever done that? Who's, who's, we've done that, right? I mean, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only unspiritual, ungodly person that's ever done that. We go through, and you know, because, and I'm out in public, my fair share, and in grocery stores and things, and I see, and it's not that I don't like people, it's not really that. Sometimes you're just mentally tired, or you're just not, you're, you're just not in the mood, you know, you're just not in the mood. And, and an interesting thing happens to me when I'm in the grocery store is, is, and you can't help this, okay? I understand that you cannot help what you do, but there's something that you do whenever you encounter me in a grocery store. You know what it is? If, if I'm with Myra, which is a dangerous thing because there's always more stuff in the cart when I'm with her 
than when she goes by herself because I, oh, I want one of those. Let's get that. Oh, you know, and I'm always shopping when I'm hungry and that's not good. So we got all this stuff in the shopping cart. We encounter someone from church. You know what happens? Silently, I can see you taking stock of what it is that the preacher buys. And, <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, I understand. If I, if I saw my preacher in the grocery store, I'd want to see what he was buying too. So I get that. It's not a problem. But, you know, there are just those times that you, it's like, oh, not, not now, just not right now. I just don't feel like it. And, and we'll take evasive measures, right? I had a, 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 heard a preacher one time talking about what he does in those situations. He said, I just got to the place where I just grab my cell phone and hold it up to my ear and act like I'm talking to somebody as I'm walking past them. And they know I'm a busy guy and they don't bother me. He said, which was great until the phone started ringing. That doesn't work either, you know. I don't know what the solution is. Don't go out, I guess, if you don't want to talk to anybody. The flip side of that scenario is they probably don't want to talk to you either. You know, you're, you're going down row aisle seven, and they're going down aisle eight doing the same thing, and you end up on opposite ends of the story. Like, how'd that happen? Well, we're trying to avoid one another. It's funny how we will at times take evasive action to avoid confrontation we 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 avoid certain situations that are uncomfortable for us uh, conversations that we don't want to have and uh, our relational pain can sometimes get heightened and we can sense it but oftentimes we won't deal with it and and for instance there's somebody in your family probably that that struggles with something you know that, that there's a there's a sickness there's an illness there's a disease there's a habit there's a there's an addiction, there's, there's, you know, and, and you want to pretend, well, it's not there. It's, it's you know, we're just going to act like it's not, it, maybe it'll go away. And so we ignore things, we cover things up, and sometimes they, they see us, you know, what happens is we come to church, and we've got stuff, and we all have stuff. But what we do is we come to church, and we're holding hands, and we're all smiling, and we look like the perfect Christian family, Right? And nobody knows that just before, you, you just had the unholy hour before the holy hour on the way in the car, right? And, and how many times have you come to church mad at your spouse because your spouse was insensitive to you in the car or because, you know, you made him wait and he's out in the car waiting, honking the horn, and then you finally get to the car and he says something really stupid like, you know, you worked that long to look like that or something, you know, something <laughs> like that. I would never say anything like that because I'm a sensitive guy. But behind the scenes, we may look all put together in church. And trust me, we're good at that. We're good at that. And behind the scenes, it's awful. There's, there's, we've been insensitive. We've yelled at one another. We've, we, we haven't done, we haven't cultivated relationships the way they need to be cultivated. There's abuse. Um, and we just won't deal with the real problems of life sometimes. Sometimes there's a strained relationship and, and you don't like them and they don't like you, but you're polite and you act like there's no problem and, and you, know, you just kind of tolerate one another and relationship never improves. It never goes beyond. It never gets better. It never takes hold. Surely, surely, that is not what God wants for us. Surely that when God gave us relationships, he did not want us to trash those relationships, to leave them in shambles, to to do things in them that, that leave them not whole. 
And yet we all have relationships probably that could use some improving, that could use some humility brought to the situation, that could use somebody that is willing to say, you know what, I'm wrong. And, and I, I got out of line and I wish I hadn't and I, I said this. Generally speaking, we will, we will judge other people by one thing. Do you know what that one thing is? Generally speaking, we judge other people by their actions. We judge other people by their actions. What they do or don't do, say or don't say, we judge them by, by their actions. When it comes to us, we typically judge ourselves by something other than our actions. You know what we judge ourselves by? We judge ourselves according to our intentions. So I, I judge you by your actions, but I judge me by my intentions. And when I judge you by your actions, I hold you to a higher standard than I hold me because my intentions are always good, right? We really know what our heart felt or we really know what we meant to do. For instance, if you borrowed a book from my library and you didn't return it, I would judge you by your actions and I would call you a low-down, dirty scoundrel who has my book and needs to bring it back because I'm judging you by your actions. But if I borrowed a book from you and I haven't returned it, I have every intention of returning it. It just hasn't struck me to do so yet, and that doesn't make me a bad guy. But see, I judge you by your actions, and, and I judge myself by my intentions, so I go way easier on me than I would go on you. That's what we do. My intentions were good. I thought about giving it back to you. It just slipped my mind, and I had every intention of, of making sure that that got back to you. Dad's the number one broken down relationship in families is that grown children do not feel close to their dads. And, and it's not that dads are bad guys. It's not that at all. You know what it is? It's that in our hearts, we know how we feel about our kids, but we don't always express it. And so because our intentions are good and we intend to, for our kids to know that we love them, but we don't get proactive and say that, so our kids grow up thinking, man, I don't know if daddy even really cares all that much about me. When if you were to ask dad, dad would say, no, I care a lot about you. And, you would say, and the kid would say, well, why don't you ever show it? Why, you know, why don't you ever say it? Why, why don't I ever feel like it? And so there becomes this chasm between dads and their grown kids a lot of times because dad feels it inside. It's a strong feeling. He cares. He would die for his kids. His intentions are great. But he just doesn't take the time to show it the way he needs to. Barna statistics, uh, George Barna, is, uh, he's pretty hard on the church. He, 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 a lot of the statistics that come out now are very indicting against the church. And I used this one statistic. I had somebody come out and take issue with me after church, and, and they were right. So I'm going to give you the statistic. I don't know what that is, but that needs to be out of there. <laughs> Otherwise, I say things like statistics. Barna says that there are now more divorces occurring inside evangelical circles than outside evangelical circles. Do you hear that? There are more divorces happening inside the church than outside the church. Now, here's the qualifier on that, because I had somebody come out and say, Brett, it's not fair that you did that because you, you make the church sound worse than it is. And it really, that statistic is a skewed statistic, because here's what you have to understand. Outside the church, people aren't getting married anymore. Okay? So there are way fewer marriages taking place outside the church. So by virtue of the fact that there are more marriages taking place inside the church, 
there, the statistic gets skewed and it just stands to reason that after some time, uh, the church is going to take the lead in how many of those divorces happen. But still, that does not justify it and that doesn't make it okay, right? We've got a problem. So what is the problem? Here's the problem. It's become way more important to address the outward appearance of something than it has to deal with what's going on on the inside. Hence, we come to church all holding hands, all happy and smiling, and underneath it all, we're not getting along. And this is a theme that's going to come up today several times, but we, here's, here's the thing that's going on. We look spiritual, we look put together, and everybody thinks we've got this great thing going on, but underneath it all, it's not that way. One of the things that happens from time to time in my house and probably in your house is a solicitor will call the house or I'll be on the phone with a, you know, somebody that, that, that I have to be nice to and you know how to be nice to somebody, right? You know how to, even when you're mad, you ever do that thing where you're yelling, the phone rings at somebody you don't want to know you're mad and you go, hello. <laughs> and then you hang up and you yell at the kids some more. And they're thinking, you know, I live with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I mean, this guy... How does he do that? I know I've done this to my kids many times. I, I've, you know, I've been chewing them out. And, and, and here's the thing. Parents, we're guilty of this. We yell at our kids sometimes simply because we can, because we're the adult, and we're older, we're bigger, and we can get away with it. And if they talk to us the way we talk to them, they would get a spanking. But they're not big enough to spank us, so we talk to them that way. I'm right, aren't I? And sometimes I had people coming out saying, man, you, you nailed me on that because that's what we do. And I've found myself on many occasions yelling at my kids. They, you know, they spilt the milk or they did something and I'm having a bad day or I got something on my mind or something's pressing on me and it's getting to me and I take it out on them and I'm yelling and screaming and they're looking at me like, you know, I know they're thinking, I just wish you would stop. And the only reason I'm doing it is because I can get away with it. We slip into an existence sometimes, maybe not spiritual intimacy in the home, but more one of tolerance, where we just put up with stuff. And that's not how God wants it. For some of us today, we need to stop and we need to acknowledge that we've hurt somebody. I, I, I've really tried to model this for my kids. I don't know how good a job I've done. I would like to think I've done a good job. There are times that I, um, you know, something happens with one of my kids and I'll start yelling. And it's like I've, I can zero to 60 and faster than any car. I can get zero to 60 in my anger sometimes with the kids and yell and scream. And, and you know, there have been a couple of times where they've been trying to, but dad, you know, and they're trying to break it up and explain to me, but dad, there's, there's just what, here's what you don't know. And I'm not interested. I don't want to hear that. You screwed up and I'm going to let you know and, you know, just banging on them and banging on them. Maybe sometimes Meyer might say, but Brett, here's, here's what, you, what you, no, I'm, I'm on a roll right don't interrupt me got a good sermon going here you ever been there got a good sermon and you don't want anybody to mess up your good sermon and then you get the whole thing out and more facts come to light it's like man if i'd known that i wouldn't have yelled like that well if i'd known that i wouldn't have made the horses rear of myself that i just made and so you know what you do you know what you do if you're a good parent you know what you do you march yourself into your kid's room. You sit down on the bed or you look them in the eye and you say, you know what, I was wrong just now. 
and I got after you about something and, and I, I didn't realize that that was the case and I was wrong and you're right about that and I'm sorry. And, and, and I, I, hope, I hope you understand that I, I wish I hadn't done that. You know, we got to model that kind of stuff for our kids. Where do you think they learn how to do this kind of stuff if we don't do it for them? Here's a question I want you to ask today. I want you to sit back and honestly ask yourself before God, who is it that I have hurt? Who is it that I have hurt? Is it a family member? Is it a mom or a dad or a brother, sister, sibling? A conversation after church in the first service and a sister was having a tough time with her brother and she said, man, you just can't imagine how venomous his words are and how, she said, I've tried to make it right and he just tells me to he says bad things is <laughs> what, what, what she said maybe it's an ex-spouse that you really aren't treating with the kind of respect that they should have and for whatever reason and you're carrying a grudge you're mad over what's happened and you, you just aren't, treat, you aren't treating them right then let's go to another level let's, let's take family relationships and, and a lot of us if we're really honest, we would say that we have family relationships that aren't intact the way they need to be. And at the very least, they're strained. And you know that somewhere something happened along the way, and you can't, you don't remember all the specifics, but it's not, it's not whole and it's not healed, and, and you're not really sure what it is. Maybe you did something, maybe they did something. You're not really sure, but, but you know that God wants something really better for this relationship. What I have for you this morning is a, a key question that you can ask. It's a dangerous question. It's a risky question because you may not like the answer that you get. You may be shocked by what you hear, but the Holy Spirit could lead you. As you ask the question of someone and you sit down and you say, how have I hurt you? How have I hurt you? You may not like what you hear. Today we're going to take inventory of our relationships and, and we're going to stop, but before we do anything else, before we go on and try and look, you know, all spiritual, and, and I would just say this, do you want to look spiritual or do you want to be spiritual? This is one of my common themes. I do this from, from the stage a lot, but it's one of the things I, it's true in my own life. There's a lot of places, I see, I can make you think I'm really spiritual. It's easy to look spiritual. You just wear the right clothes, get you a big old honking Bible, write in it some and highlight it and get about 40 bulletins sticking out of it and throw it under your arm. Grab your spouse by the hand and lead your family into church all holding hands and all smiles and use a couple of cool phrases that we've learned to use in the, in the church like I'll be praying for you. And, oh, that's terrible, terrible. And we can look really spiritual. If you, you know, learn a couple of key words like propitiation and sanctification and, I, you know, drop a couple of those and I can sound really spiritual and look really spiritual. It's easy to look spiritual. Being spiritual is a whole nother matter. You want to look spiritual or do you want to be spiritual? Before we pretend like we're strong Christians... We're going to stop and we're going to acknowledge those that we've hurt. And to my point a little earlier, the reason that our marriages are having trouble is because 
we, we dress it up on the outside, but we never really fix the things that are wrong on the inside. We never apologize. We never, you know, ask this question, how have I hurt you? So we're going to stop and we're going to acknowledge those that we've hurt. Then the second thing we're going to do, we're going to drop everything and make it right. Drop everything and make it right. Listen to the urgency of Jesus' teaching. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary. Do you sense the urgency in this passage? Parents, especially moms, are amazing when they hear their baby cry. And you can have a mom with her child in the middle of, you know, uh, bogeys with all kinds of noise going on and all kinds of kids screaming, all kinds of things. And she can hear her baby cry and she can tell you how urgent is the need based on the cry that she hears. Now, I can do that a little, but not nearly as good as my wife can. And I've seen other wives do that. And it's just an amazing thing. In fact, my wife is so good. She can, list, she can tell things about the, the dogs by how they bark. That's good. You know, that's, that's just way too much work for me. And, and, and you can, if, it's, if the cry is right, moms are instantly there, right? Instantly. I mean, there's no wasted time. Well, there's just certain things that when you hear, it's amazing how fast we can move. I, I'll tell you a little story, and I did not get my wife's permission to do this, so I could be really cooking my goose right now. I think I'm okay, though, I think. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. But we were home for Thanksgiving, and, and uh, Myra's parents have a beautiful home. It sits up on a hill. It sits off of the road. And, and uh, when they decorate for Christmas, their, their, their front porch is a, they've got a big front porch, and, and um, these, across the top, they, they hang these great, big, huge, giant um, ornament balls. Uh, because the house sits so far off the road, it, it really looks cool when you drive by and all the lights and then you look up and see these ornament balls. It's really pretty neat. Well, they painted over the summer and a lot of that, the hooks came out to do that. So Mr. Courtney has been reapplying all the hooks. And so I'm in the, you know, it was a couple of days after Thanksgiving. There's all kinds of football games on. So you know what I'm doing. And uh, Myra and her mom are in one of the uh, rooms looking at something. They were doing something. I, they, but they were talking and kids we had cousins and little kids running all over the house you know and mr courtney is up on a ladder and he's he's a little he's had a foot problem so he's, he's he's not always stable on his feet but he's up on a ladder and he's trying to get some hooks into the wood and the next thing we all hear and i heard this kind of muffled um enough to know that something was wrong i heard this oh well before that expression or i don't know what to call that 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 calling out or whatever was over I hear Myra and her mom come flying out of this room and they're around in the corner and I really think that Myra was at the front door before he actually hit the ground I'm pretty sure so we you know and I come moseying in like what's going on Myra's already there she's like already on it and and uh, the the good news is he fell into one of the the uh, evergreen bushes with his rear end and that cushion the whole thing got this great big butt-shaped hole in the in the bush 
But the good news is he didn't hit the railing and he didn't hit the concrete sidewalk and he didn't hit the concrete steps, so that was good. So we're all laughing about it, except for Meyer, because she got really ticked off at him after that because he was out there by himself and it's a whole nother deal. But the point is she heard that and instantly knew something's wrong. It was urgent. Got to get there. Can't, can't let any time pass. This needs my attention. That's kind of what Paul, uh, uh, Jesus is trying to get us to see. And with our relationships, it's not an audible scream. It's not that, but you sense when something's not right. And you say, you know, this, this can't continue. Some of you over the holidays are going to walk away from certain relationships asking a question, how long are we going to deal with this? How long are we going to c- continue to have these same conflicts, these same things? When are we going to finally fix this thing? And you're not looking forward to the holidays because you know that Aunt Mabel or somebody in your family is going to be there and there's this issue and you don't want to go and deal with it. But when are you going to leave that and say, you know what, I'm so glad we finally got that issue resolved. And you say, why won't anybody talk about, why, why won't they get together and figure this out for once and for all and find healing? And say, I love you, and I, I want to connect with you, and I don't, I don't want to have every Christmas roll around and this thing be between us where it's weird and awkward, and you know, I, I, don't, I can't stay as long as I'd like because I feel uncomfortable, or you feel like you can't come over to the house because I'm going to be there. Why can't we just, what have I done, and how can I fix it? Drop everything and make it right. Now let me say something really important to you. If you have something against someone and they don't know it, (laughs) keep it to yourself. Don't don't create a wound so you can put medicine on it, okay? There's certain things that if somebody's done something to you and they don't even know it, they they probably would be sorry if they knew. They probably would feel horrible if they knew that you had that kind of thing going on in your heart. Like, man, they don't have any idea how mad I... If they knew how you felt, they would probably feel awful. Again, do you want to look spiritual or do you want to be spiritual? Because if you want to look spiritual, you're going to say something like, well, you know, God wants me to get it all out in the open, so I'm going to go tell them how they've hurt me because it's really important that I tell the truth in love and we can say all the right things. Or you can be spiritual and you can get alone with God and you can say, God, they have no idea. And this is really a me and you thing. This is a heart thing for me. And I just got to get my heart right with you. And so they're never going to know what they've done to me and I'm not going to hold it against them anymore. God knows you've forgiven me enough stuff. I'm just going to, it's a me and you thing and it's done. I'm, I'm, I'm finished with it. I'm, ne- I'm not going to hold it against them. They are forgiven and they don't even know about it. Now, that is spiritual. That is spiritual. And here's the kicker about when you're really spiritual, nobody else really knows. It's easy to look spiritual, very difficult to be spiritual. And, and, and that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. But if you've wounded somebody else, then let God's Spirit grab you, stop and acknowledge that you've hurt them, drop everything and run to them to make it right 
and then we're gonna free ourselves of all kinds of guilt. It's amazing when you can do this and get your relationships right, how it frees you up. How, now, can you imagine if you didn't have some of the junk going on in the relationships for you at Christmas time? If, if we could take away some of that stuff, how you might actually enjoy going to someone's house for Christmas? If you could get rid of the baggage and you could get rid of the lack of forgiveness and the ill feelings and all that kind of stuff, just imagine how freeing it would be to, to get rid of some of the stuff maybe that you've got going on in your life and in your world and say, you know what, for the first time, I can truly embrace Christmas and all the, all the festivities and being around family, and it's just going to be so great because all that stuff is past us. We don't have to worry about that anymore. Listen to Proverbs chapter 6. If you have been trapped by what you said, ensnared by the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, to free yourself. Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, go and humble yourself. Press your plea with your neighbor. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Can you sense the urgency in that get it done now why is this so important this is important because nothing nothing is as important to us as relationships if you want me to prove that to you follow me to a hospital follow me to a funeral home because it's amazing how it doesn't matter what kind of car you drive or how cool your iPod is or how big of a memory system your computer's got on it. None of that stuff seems to matter when someone you love gets sick. None of that matters. You know what happens in funeral homes is we have these conversations. You know, I'm worried about so-and-so because I know they're really having a hard time right now and I'm worried about it. And nobody's talking about, you know, so-and-so drives this kind of car, or so-and-so's got this kind of house, or so-and-so going to this kind of school. No, we're not, that's not what we talk about. That's just stuff. Stuff falls by the wayside when life gets serious and somebody gets sick or somebody passes away. We, what matters to us are the relationships. Is, is, is Aunt, you know, so-and-so okay? Are they, are they doing all right? And, and since it's Christmas time, let me talk to the parents for a minute. If you've done something stupid with one of your kids and you've hurt their feelings or you've been mean to them, don't go buy them something to try and make them feel better and like you more and give it to them. Stop giving them things to make you feel better. Give yourself. Humble yourself. Go to your kid and say, you know what? <laughs> I, I may be the parent, but in this particular case, I'm the one that messed up and I need your forgiveness. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have acted that way and I shouldn't have said that and it's my fault it's not your fault now how are we going to do that how are we how are we going to make things right there's a couple of things that I want to share with you this morning the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go to someone and we're going to do it face to face don't apologize with a fax okay you just kind of loses something somewhere along the way I'm sorry by fax doesn't work I know email is convenient but when you try to have heavy conversations in email, inevitably, it's my experience that my tone gets misinterpreted. I, what I meant to say doesn't sound right when it's being read by somebody else because they can't really hear my inflection or anything else. Try not to do it that way. If at all possible, go to them, look them in the face, eye to eye, and say, um, you know, I, I want to I deal with this. I want to fix this. 
In, in Galatians chapter 2, Peter, uh, Paul, Peter's done something that Paul is really upset about. And Paul says this, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. Peter's like, or Paul's like, you know, I'm going to deal with it. I'm going to look him in the eye and I'm going to let him know what I think he's done is wrong. Now, if you're genuinely sorry and you really want to make it right and you really want to fix your mistake, I'm going to give you some help. The, the first thing you're going to say is this, I'm sorry I've hurt you. And that's all you're going to say. Because you're going to be tempted to add to that. Right? You're going to be tempted to add something to that. Something that sounds something like this. I'm sorry I hurt you, but what you did drove me to do what I did. So I'm sorry and it's my fault, but it's really not my fault. It's your fault for making it my fault. And so all this work that we've done to humble ourselves and go to somebody else and say, you know, I'm sorry... We destroy all that when we start adding qualifiers to it and making excuses and, you know, well, I'm sorry, but I hadn't really had my coffee yet in the morning. Or I'm sorry, but I, you know, I had kids screaming in my ear. No, just say, I'm sorry, that's it. I'm sorry. Don't, don't say anything that resembles an excuse. The second thing you need to say is this. Will you forgive me? I don't deserve it. You don't, you, there's no reason for you to have to. I've got nothing to offer you that will make this easier. I, I, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to have this talk face to face. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to do our part and trust God to do the rest. There are three responses that you are going to get when you go to someone and ask them for their forgiveness. The first response is this. <laughs> I didn't even know you'd done that, you know? I, didn't, I mean, it didn't bother me. It, it, don't worry about it, because I haven't lost one minute's worth of sleep over. I hadn't even realized you'd done that, and you walk away going, whoo, that was easy. I'm glad that happened like that. We love those. I mean, that's great when it's like they, they, don't seem to, they don't seem to be at all offended, and you're thinking to yourself, man, if that was me, I'd really be ticked off. But they're fine. Second response is this, I forgive you. It's all good. Don't worry about it. And then the third response is, game over. Get out of my face. Get out of my life. I don't want to have any more to do with you. That's what I heard this morning walking out. Somebody said, that's what, when I got into a conversation with someone I love, that's what I heard. I was told to get out of their life. I was told they don't want to hear from me anymore. And I reminded that person of this particular verse that I'm going to show you right now. This is a big verse of scripture because sometimes it's out of your hands. You can only do what you can do. A great friend of mine one time told me, and I use this, this piece of advice in counseling all the time. In fact, just about every time I do counseling, they hear these words and I'm going to tell them to you right now. The only reaction you can control is your own. Let that sink in. That is one of the most profound things you're ever going to hear me say because that is true and that will govern. If you let that govern the rest of your life, that will make a difference in your world. The only reaction you can control is your own. Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If it is possible, it may not be possible. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Stop. Acknowledge, I've hurt someone. Drop everything and go make it right. Number three, we're going to do this. Give your hearts and your gifts to God. 
Jesus said, first go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Romans 12, verse one says, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy, his mercy and grace to us when we didn't deserve it. In view of that grace and mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is hard stuff. This is where I ask again, do you, do you want to look spiritual or do you want to be spiritual? Because if it's, just, if it's being spiritual, only you and God are going to know about some of this stuff. It's going to be behind closed doors in your prayer closet where you're saying things to God like, God, nobody else knows this but you. And I could do a lot of things that would make me look spiritual. I'm not interested in that, God. I just, I want to I forgive them. I want to get past it. And I just want it all to be okay. And I want, I want it to be okay with you and me. And you know my heart in this. This is all about relationship. It's about relationship with God. It's about relationship with other people. It, it, it's all relationship and nothing else. Somebody asked Jesus one time, what is the most important command? And what Jesus said back was, love the Lord your God. So in other words, we got this vertical thing going on, your relationship with God. Then he comes behind that and says, second is like that, love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's all about relationships. It's not about how many times you go to church. Not about how few cuss words you say. Not about how much money you give or how much you dress up or you know, all the spiritual words you know. It's not about any of those things. It's about relationship with God, relationship with other people. Do you know what the devil wants to do more than anything else? He wants to hurt God. That's what he wants to do. Do you know how the devil hurts God? He hurts God by hurting God's people. Do you know how he hurts God's people? He hones in and he destroys relationships. That's what he does. And if he can destroy a relationship, that has a, an effect up the chain that reaches the heart of God. He says, I know if I can destroy relationships, it hurts God's people. If God's people hurt, God hurts. And so that's what I'm going for. We, we strengthen the chain when we seek forgiveness from people that we have hurt. And we go and we make it right and we say, you know what, I'm in the wrong and maybe you've forgotten about it and moved on, but I can't, and, and I need your forgiveness. Jesus says it's urgent. I want you to get on it. I want you to stop what you're doing, acknowledge you've hurt somebody. I want you to, to drop everything, go make it right, and I want you to give. Continue to worship, but do it after you've dealt with everything else first. Christmas is forgiving. Let's pray. Father, relationships are so dynamic. They are so uh, layered and rich and um, life brings us all kinds of uh, opportunities to mess up our relationships. We, we're selfish by nature anyway. Um, then you add to that, some of us just have no sensitivity whatsoever and it makes life even harder and, and we just, we hurt people. But your counsel this morning is that we would be proactive and that we would make it right, that we would go to those that we have hurt and we would ask for their forgiveness. That takes a lot, God. It takes probably more than we've got in us. So it means that we're going to need your help. So Father, my prayer over, over this entire congregation this morning, because surely in this room there are relationships that are broken and there are fault. 
and it's, it's, it's not been fixed only because I've been too proud to go fix it. So Father, this morning I pray over those relationships and I ask you to give the strength, give the humility, give the, the wherewithal, whatever it takes to, for that person to say, I, I'm going to stop, I'm going to drop what I'm doing, and I'm going to go fix that. And God, a long time ago, we had a sin problem. It was not your problem, it was our problem. But you stopped, you dropped everything, and you sent Jesus. And he fixed our sin problem. And we, as Christians, have been forgiven. How in the world could we be so arrogant as to hold a grudge against anybody when you could have held the biggest grudge of all and you choose not to do it? Father, that humbles us in and of itself. Help us to be humble enough now to go to those that we've harmed and say, please forgive me. Lord, it's in the the very precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.